overflowed. That would be good. I'd like that. Maybe it's just me. Everyone else is looking at me saying, but ours does. Oh, awesome. Good offering today. Anyway, um, how is everyone? Well, I hope so. Uh, I really ha- have had a sense this morning that God was wanting to chase something. And over the course of the week, God keeps talking to me about our heart. And last week I was talking about guarding our heart. So I want to continue with that. But God is really pressing and showing me in places where we have seasons and sometimes they are so elongated, so long, that we know that God is God. We know that he's real. We know that he's on, our th- on his throne. But it's almost like it shifts from a belief that's deep within us to our thoughts. And it's in our thoughts that the enemy battles. It's in our thoughts that he, he really does most of his damage and we're forever trying to deal with what we're thinking. Yeah? But the only way for you and I to deal with what we're thinking is to know what's in our heart, to allow our hearts to overflow because it dictates everything. It dictates the way that we act, we speak. It actually dictates and can dictate to our minds for what we think. And as we were singing this morning, as I said, for me there was this sense that we just needed to be able to, to stand firm and allow our hearts to speak and say, you know, I, I may not have seen you move lately in my life. I may not have felt you. In fact, it's probably been terrible, but I know in my heart of hearts that you are my promise keeper. You are my way maker. You are my light in the darkness. You are the only one that gets me through when everything else around me is failing. And so we've pursued that. And uh, Samuel, just as he was playing, you know, it's actually the second time it's happened with his playing of late. And it's happened over many times here in the church where something musical is happening that is decreeing something over the house. And so the Bible says, you know, those that have eyes to see, let them see. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And sometimes you can pick it up. You think, well, there's something that's really nice. It's not just nice, but the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's doing something with that noise, with that sound, with that instrument, with that person. And he's breaking through somewhere. So it was important for us as a people to decree and declare and prophesy over our own lives and for those that we stood in the gap for. We may not see something move and shift immediately, but... You need to trust me. When God starts to move like that, he does. Yeah, he just does. So I'm, I'm actually grateful that we're in a house that can say, hold on, God's doing something in this place. You know, most people allow us to go there. Some might be going, oh, Andrew's on his thing again. But I'm glad that we can move into that place and say, God, okay, what are you doing? Because what happened this morning, though I was sensing it might have been for one person in here, Could have been for two people out there. I don't know what God was doing at the time, but he was doing something. Amen? So um, I'm going to pray and we'll talk about guarding our hearts. We'll see where we go from there while I grab my water bottle that's falling apart, but it does the job. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. Full stop. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for going back to the Father and sending Holy Spirit for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've made your home in our hearts. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us, you comfort us, you empower us. 
Thank you, God, that you've delegated authority to us while we're here on earth. Thank you. Where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. Thank you that we can come to a place like this or even sit in our homes or in our cars with our friends. And Lord, you are there abiding with us. Thank you that we are a people that abide in you. And so, Lord God, this day I pray that you would continue the work that you began in us. Father, that you would continue to transform us, Lord, bit by bit into the image of your son, Jesus. That, Lord, whether we're together or whether we're meeting our friends in the community, they would know and sense and feel and experience a shift in our hearts because we're more like your son. So, Lord, I say, have your way in us today. And everybody said, Amen. All right, cool. So last week when I was talking about guarding our hearts, one of the, the, the biggest points I was trying to make was that it's not so much about what we keep out, yeah, but it's more so for us, our role is what we keep in. Yeah? And when we keep in the right stuff, what God's placed in there, the overflow of that will push everything back anyway that comes towards us. So our part is to keep in our heart what, it, what is placed there. And some of that's around our identity, things that we've talked about like really for a long time here. But if you're new to, the, new to the Mount Clear family, we often talk about our identity. And our identity is tied and found in him. Our value is found in him. Our worth is found in him. Before the cross, he saw worth in us even when we were worthless. Yeah? Because we were separated from him. We had no worth, yet he saw worth in us. So when we were unworthy, he found us worthy. Died on a cross, brought us into his family. We are totally worthy of the relationship we have in him, not because of anything that we've done, just because of what he did for us, yeah? So we need to be able to see ourselves the way he sees us as sons and daughters of God. We need to know the value that he places on us and in us, the way that he thinks about us. If we can understand, and, and when I say truly grab hold of, this has to be in our hearts because our mind tells us different, yeah? We need to see ourselves the way he does. That's our real or true identity. Not what you see when you look back in the mirror. Not how you feel when you make a mistake. Yeah, the way that God, Father God, looks at us. The way that he sees us. The way that he values us. That is our real and true identity. That has, has to be in our heart. And that's what we guard. Because nothing else matters. If we can guard that, we can actually live a life of peace. Regardless of what we go through. Because we know that God's got us. He's there. He's a good father. He's always good. For, that, for you and I, for that to be a reality in our hearts, we have to, we talked about last week, as Joyce Meyer suggests, that we need to keep our hearts soft by marinating in his presence, you know, just sitting with him. And sometimes it's harder for some than others. It's easier for some than others. Some do it one way, some do it another way. However you sit with the Lord, sit with the Lord, but sit with him, yeah? Don't make it a busy time, just make it a time. You could be walking down the street, but sit with him. And as you sit in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Yeah? The joy of the Lord's our strength. As we marinate in him, he softens our heart so that no matter what comes against us, we've actually got the strength to walk through it. Yeah? I, I really enjoyed the quote from last week, and I'm just using this all as a, a little bit of a foundation. But the quote from last week by Jay Stoll, something he wrote in his book, Fan the Flame, heart is used in scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. 
It's the part of our being where we desire, deliberate and decide. It has been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity, the comprehensive term for a person as a whole, his feelings, desires, passions, thought, understanding and will, and the centre of a person. And this particular part is what I love the most when it comes how he describes the heart, the place to which God turns. The place to which God turns. If you're going through anything, if you've got a concern, a worry, if you're in trouble and you turn to someone, are you going to turn to someone that you don't trust? No way. You're going to turn to someone that can't help you? Probably not. Yeah, you're going to turn to someone that you believe in, that you know will carry your secret, that will be there for you, that will help, with you, help you. When Jay Stoll wrote this, that heart in Scripture is the centre of a person, the place to which God turns, what he's saying is, Father God turns to your heart. He trusts your heart. He doesn't trust your thinking. That's why he tells us to, we've got to renew our minds. Yeah? But he trusts your heart. So God will always turn to your heart. Makes sense when you think about, if God's turning to our hearts, it's probably a good idea that he shared with us in Proverbs you know, 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, yeah? If he's going to turn to it and he trusts it, then I'm assuming that he wants us to look after it, yeah? And he says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. You've you got to get that everything you do. There's not, not, there's not anything that you do, a thought that there's nothing that you do that doesn't and can't flow from the heart because that's the centre of the person, the place to which God turns, Yeah? It's, as some versions put it, the wellspring of life, the starting point, point, the, the point, the source. It's the source of everything, the heart. That's the heart. So we have to guard it. That's why God tells us to guard it. Here's a thought. If any of us had a heart condition, I'd imagine that we'd be a little bit worried. Yeah? For those that have had heart conditions and gone for surgery, there's some concern there. Yeah? We're worried about the person, our friends, our families. We pray for them, make sure they're all right. Lord, lead the surgeon. Oh, they've got a heart problem. Oh, my, what's going on? You know, we're worried. My other thought is that we all have a heart condition, a spiritual one. So I'm going to paint us with the same brush just for a moment. It may not apply to you, but I'm trying to apply it to you. <laughs> but I want to suggest that we've all got a spiritual a spiritual heart condition because let me explain it like this the Bible says that from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks now if we're to be open, honest and vulnerable has anyone here ever spoken something from their mouths even if it's at home with your loved one in a safe, safe environment that really you don't want anyone else to have ever heard or to know that you spoke it yeah like even the best of you, even the goody-goodies in this room alone, I know somewhere you have thought or you've said something about someone and thought, oh, and it's got out. It's, where did it come from? From the overflow of the what? The heart. Are you telling me that because I had that one second thought about that person, that it came from my heart? No, I'm not telling you that. The Word's telling you that. The word's telling you that it, it flowed from the heart. 
That's why it's important for us to know how God sees us because I'll, I'll go somewhere with it. So if we can protect the truth that God's placed inside of us, who we are, how he sees us, that he's the, the way maker, the promise keeper, if we can keep those things in our heart, that's actually the truth that the people around us want to see. They don't want to hear religion. Yeah? They want to see authenticity. They want to be able to see through our actions and our words what's in our heart and so if they can see the way that God sees us, yeah, if they can see that regardless of what we're going through, we're still standing firm because he's our promise keeper, our miracle worker, our light in the darkness. Yeah? It's that truth. It, it's, it's that experience and encounter that people need to have when they meet us that we have to facilitate somehow. And I want to suggest it's by guarding what God's placed in our heart and knowing what he's placed in our heart. Because what is in our heart is going to overflow. Yeah, Really simply, it's going to overflow. Everything that God did and does is for us. The reality of the cross is that he did it because of the love that he had for his creation. Yes? So we could say... If he loves his creation, he loves people. God loves people. That's a fair stretch of the gospel, isn't it? God loves people. So God wants to be and have a relationship with us. And as you and I grow in this relationship, as we actually build a deeper, intimate relationship with him, we learn to live from love because he is love. We learn to live in him, in his love, and we soak in his presence where we're strengthened and our hearts are kept soft because we're marinating in him and our life then begins, because of the overflow of our heart, our life then begins to affect everything around us and one of those things that are around us is the very thing that God loves, people. Yeah? It's important to understand this because the most important thing, I think, to Father God is people. It's not the buildings, yeah? It's not the one preacher, believer, yeah? It's not wealth. It's not the cattle on a thousand hills. It's not the cats that people think are pets. They're not dogs. It's just none of that. It's people. God so loved the world that he sent, he gave, he sacrificed his one and only son for people, for you and I, yeah? So... Think of it like this. Today in churches, right across the globe, people everywhere are listening to sermons like this one. And that's great. That's good. But it's not the most important thing. See, the, the most important thing are the sermons that people are going to experience and encounter through the lives that we live from the overflow of our heart. Because there are people that will never walk through the door of the church, though we would love them to. The reality is that many won't until they have had an encounter with God. So no matter how eloquently I may speak or how well people are preaching around Ballarat or Victoria or Australia or the world, the greatest sermon that can happen today is the way that we live our lives. And that happens through the overflow of our heart. So... Where does life start? One of, the, one of the things that Jay Stoll said was from the heart. The wellspring of life, Scripture says, it's, it's the beginning, it's the heart. What flows from the heart? Springs of life, Scripture suggests. Springs of life flow from the heart. 
What affects everything we do? The heart. I'm getting a picture here? The heart's pretty important, right? <laughs> so we need to guard our hearts and keep them soft because souls, people that don't know Jesus, that here in this church, we believe if you know Jesus, have a relationship with him, your eternity is assured you're going to heaven. But if you don't know Jesus, your eternity is not assured. Well, it is, but it's going the other way. Now, however, I often say, however you picture hell, whether it's fire and brimstone or whether it's on a, 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 an earth that is totally separated from God, it's separation from God, full stop. So if you don't know Jesus, you're not in relationship with him, you're, the choice that you've made is to live over here rather than living where God wants you to live. And if we don't keep our hearts soft, people may never discover what God's heart is for them because you and I may be the only Jesus they ever meet. Yeah. People want to know your heart. They want to know my heart. That's what they want to know. But how can they know our hearts if we ourselves don't fully grasp all that Father God has placed in there? If we're still struggling, still grappling, still wrestling. yeah. People want authenticity, genuineness. Genuineness. They, they don't want just. They don't want religious religion. They don't want religious phonies. People don't want that. Would you agree? I'd agree. I'd say that's pretty much on the money. They want vulnerability, and we've talked about that the last few weeks. People want to know that God, what God means to us, and how they can find God for themselves. Even, even in our communion and offering messages, I don't give a lot of guidance, but a little bit of time. You've got three to five minutes or however long it takes to serve the communion. So the fuller the church, the more time you've got to a degree, you know. But the one thing that I ask, if you ask the people that are on those rosters, is share what communion or share what offering means to you. I don't want, I don't want another sermon. You're going to get one in a minute from me or someone else. People don't want another sermon. What they want is your heart. What does communion mean to you? What does offering mean to you? Why do you give to God? Why do you give when you've got bills at home? Why? Not because well, Scripture tells me to do it. Well, that, that's great. That speaks to you because you've got a relationship with God. But people want to know your heart. Yeah, It's really important that people know and see and hear our heart in everything. There's nothing more important than our inner life, what's in our heart. 1 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewellery or beautiful clothes. I like all those three things. I still have hair. Amen. I don't wear jewellery really, but I do like beautiful clothes, particularly when they fit. You know, that helps. Then it says you should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is so precious to God. It's all about our hearts. Why is it important to guard our hearts? Why is it important to keep our hearts soft? Because it's about what people experience when they meet us. It's not a facade, it's a reality. You could be in ragged clothes or beautiful clothes. You could have a really good haircut or a really bad haircut. I can point you to people who have really bad haircuts. I do occasionally think that and then I've got to fix it with my heart. But, um, you know, it's not about what we look like, it's about what we sound like, what we actually and really do. It's about being Jesus to people that need him. It's about loving them. It's about them seeing God in us and through us. 
and experiencing heaven on earth because of that. But that will never happen unless we have guarded the truth of who we are and what God has placed in our hearts and we've kept them soft and not allowed the things that happen in life to harden our hearts. Yeah. Luke 6, verse 37 and 38, it says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. There's a full stop there, new sentence. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Often when you hear this scripture, it's in an offering message. Yeah? It's about giving. In, in the measure that you give, in the measure you use, it will be measured to you. But I don't know about you, but there's no mention of money in that particular passage. Nowhere there does it say dollars, pounds, euros, bucks. Nowhere. It doesn't say that. It says don't judge. It says don't condemn. It says forgive. And it says give. And in the measure, if I can bring some context to this passage of Scripture, and in the measure that we do all of that, yeah, it'll be measured back to you. In the measure that you do not judge, in the measure that you do not condemn, in the measure that you forgive, in the measure that you give, it will be measured back to you. It's all about the heart. That whole passage is about the heart. It says, don't judge. Because it's in our hearts that we actually make a decision not to judge. Let me explain it like this. A conversation starts in your mind because that's where they start. You know, It's where the enemy works. It's in your thoughts. It's in your head. Look at that person. Look how they're dressed. They've got shiny shoes. They've got unpolished shoes. They've got thongs on. <gasps> Heaven forbid they're wearing Crocs in public. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that was Holy Spirit bringing conviction, Stephen. Um, I can't believe how they're speaking, what they're saying, the words that they're using, how they're reacting to their parents, how parents are reacting to their, We have these thoughts that run through our minds. They're a terrible parent. He's not a very good pastor. We have these, these thoughts. And the list, really, the list can go on and on. You can make up your own list if you like. But now, watch this. If you know in your heart how God sees you, you know how valuable you are to him. Yeah? Your worth. A son, a daughter of God. If you know that in your heart about yourself and you know the most important thing to Father God is people, then when you're looking at someone that's wearing those crocs or that you've had that thought about because they're not acting right, because they're misbehaving in a shopping centre or they're ranting and raving on a work site, if you know that God's most precious possession is people and you know how he sees you, that he found worth in you even when you were worthless because you've kept that and guarded that in your heart. Now when you see that person, when that thought comes, you can, uh, your heart can say, ah, ah. That's not how God sees them. That's not what Father's thinking. Father sees one of his creation. This goes for a believer or a non-believer. Father sees someone that he wants to restore and redeem. Father sees someone that's seated in heavenly places. That's his child, his daughter. But you can only think that in your heart if you know that about yourself. And if you can't think that about yourself, you will never see it in another person. And you know what? All of a sudden, 
an argument, something comes up, you've already placed intent on what they've said and what they've done and before you know it, there's an awkwardness and you no longer love that person like Jesus wants you to because you've not guarded your heart. From the heart, from the overflow, you'll hear things like they're a child of God. Father loves them. He's proud of them. Hey, that's my sister. That's my brother in the Lord. They're not like that. Why did I think that? They're not like that. That would never have been their intent. Where did I get that? Where did I get that idea from? You know, that's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. says, Whoever claims to live in him must live as Christ lived. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command but an old one which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you've heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. It's a message. It's a truth. Um, sorry, as I lose lines. It's truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates oh, a brother or sister is still in darkness. I'm pausing there because that doesn't say hates someone who's not a brother or sister that's not part of the family of God. That says who hates a brother or sister. That's scripture suggesting that we're still in darkness. I'm suggesting our, if that's the case, then our hearts are hard and we've not guarded it well. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother and sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They, don't, they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Do not judge. It's a heart condition. Do not judge. It's a heart decision. Scripture says that if you can't love your brother or sister, you live in darkness. And that's from the overflow of the heart. Even evil, the Bible says, comes from the heart. Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's what comes from the heart. If we choose not to judge, it's from the heart. People will never see Jesus in us and through us unless we guard our hearts and keep them soft. Yeah? I reckon that's a challenge for us. I, I, I do love that passage of scripture um, that we read from First John because verses 7 and 8 make no sense. I'm not writing you a new commandment, but I am writing you a new commandment. It's like, you know, we've got to say, hey, can you make up your mind here? You've just told us that you're not writing us a new commandment because it's been there from the beginning, but I'm going to write you a new commandment. Now, anyone picked that up ever before? Just me? Ah, just things that we pick up. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. Then it goes on to say that people will know that we're his disciples when we love one another. Love, love, love. It's from the heart. So we have to get into our quiet place. We have to marinate in Jesus, in his presence. We have to do those things. Because it's, if we guard our hearts, it's from there yeah, that springs of living water flow. Life starts there. People are depending on it. God is going to turn to your heart. It's pretty scary thought that the creator of everything is going to turn to your heart. That's the place. When you're sitting with him, he's coming to sit with your heart, what's in your heart. 
That's why you can't keep a secret from God. You know, I know we do. We all do. How'd you go? Did you journal? Did you write? Did you speak? Did you share what you're going through? Absolutely. Did you share about that? Oh, no, not that. Now, God knows it anyway, but authenticity starts with being able to share it with him, doesn't it? The scripture says, don't condemn. And if you remember what I said earlier, the scripture's, the scripture's all about a heart. So it's in our hearts that we choose not to condemn. Now get this, to condemn means this, Bible dictionary, to express complete disapproval of, find fault with, censure, denounce, condemn, arraign, attack, lambast, um, to pillarise, to disapprove of, carp at, cavil at, rail against, uh, inveigh against, cast aspersions on, pour scorn on, disparge, degenerate, depreciate, malign, vilify, besmirch, run down, give a bad press to. And I thought that was probably enough of a meaning for the word condemn. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. Have we ever done one of those? Just one of those? Because if we have, Scripture's telling us that's come from our heart. None of us have arrived. Yeah? None of us are Jesus. None of us have walked on water, but we're transformed into his image with ever-increasing likeness from glory to glory, strength to strength. We need to be able to say, you know what? Dang, I did that. When I thought about so-and-so, I thought that crooked little bent-knee thief, I'm going to... I need to work on that. Why did that come out of my mouth? Those tea drink... <gasps> I did it again. Oh, Lord, forgive me. This is coming from my heart. I know I'm joking about that, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, drink coffee. Um, If we know who we are in God, if we know whose family we belong to, if we know how God sees us and loves us, then we know how he loves others. Yeah, Then we know how he loves others. And if we're being transformed into the image of his son and we understand how the Father loves others, then it puts us in a position where we have to love others because we're like him. We have no choice. But if we can't love other people, I'm just going to suggest that in our hearts there's an issue because we've not yet found love for ourselves and within ourselves. We've got to guard our hearts and we've got to keep truth in it because it's the wellspring of life. Thomas Watson wrote, If God spares us as a father does his son, let us imitate God. It is natural for children to imitate their parents. Let us imitate God in this one thing. As God spares us, and passes by many failures. So let us be sparing in our censures of others. Let us look upon the weaknesses and indiscretions of our brethren with a more tender, compassionate eye. How much God bears with us. Man, that, I love that. Because that's a challenge. Because of our thoughts, we live in a world that's so very logical and structured, yeah? And our thoughts dictate generally what we do most days and where we turn and how we turn and we're learning laws to live by and how to drive on the roads. But it's our heart that needs to dictate the way that we live our life for others because their souls are dependent on it. You know, it says to forgive, forgive again and again and again. And in the measure that you forgive, you'll be forgiven. In the measure that you do those things, it'll be measured back. It all comes and starts from the heart. It's where the springs of life flow. So that's why we need to protect it. And then it says to give. (laughs) And I've already said there's no mention of money. But I I just want to quickly 
touch on this by saying, when it, when it says give, what do we need to give? Before we can answer that, we've got to ask one other question that I've already answered today, and that's what is it that God treasures? And do we treasure what God treasures? If we can answer that first question, what is it that God treasures, then we know how to give, what to give, when to give. God treasures people. He paid the ultimate price for people, yeah? Even those that you don't like. Yeah, you, everyone's got someone that they don't like or don't really like or rather not spend time with or you don't like the way they dress or the way they speak. And if you don't, that's awesome. I've got a couple. Yeah? So I'm learning, I'm growing all the time to be more like Jesus. But he paid the ultimate price even for them, even for Richmond supporters. Can you imagine that? Why would God stoop to that level? But he did. He paid the ultimate price. He saved us from an eternity without him. Totally separated. He treasures relationship with each and every one of us. So if people are God's treasure, are they ours? Are they ours? That's why it's important to guard our hearts. Because life starts there. That's why he says, don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, give. Because that stuff makes us like him and it shows him to those that are around us. You know, it certainly brings into context 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for, it, for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? It's a really tough passage of scripture. It really is. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. So what will we do? In the measure that we do, it's the measure that it'll, be, it'll come back. In our do not judging, do not condemning, our forgiving, our giving. Does our heart love people? Is our heart a place where life starts or where life dies? Is our heart a place where springs of water flow or is, are our hearts like the Dead Sea? God loves people and he wants you and I to love people. And so that's why he wants us to guard our hearts. But we need to know what we're guarding. And what we're guarding is really what those two pictures, those two prophetic paintings are showing, how God sees us. We need to know that. If you don't know that, ask me, ask someone around here, and we'll tell you how God sees you. There's nothing about what you do, it's who you are to him. You know, I want to finish with this. You know, I was doing a course many, many years ago with a group called Arrow Australia, a leadership course, and their vision, Arrow's vision, um, is really what I think we achieve naturally if we guard our hearts. And their vision was this, um, led more by Jesus, yeah? lead more like Jesus, lead more to Jesus. Really simple. Led more by Jesus, lead more like Jesus, lead more to Jesus. If you and I, if we can truly guard our hearts, the deposit that God's placed in us and we keep that soft because we marinate in him, we will, I guarantee you, we will be led by him. And when we spend more time with him, as we allow our hearts to be softened and we marinate in his presence, yeah, then we'll become more like Jesus in all that we do. <laughs> and from that place of a soft heart, then we'll be able to lead more to Jesus because we've been led more by him because we've been led to him. If we guard our hearts. Why don't we stand?
I believe that in our faith sometimes, for me, my faith is joyous. And I actually enjoy the challenges of our faith. I enjoy what God reminds me of. I enjoy what he shows up in me, even those uncomfortable things. Because at the end of the day, even things that I find that are difficult and tough mean that I'm walking closer and closer in the image of his son, Jesus. And I want to make a suggestion that if we're, we're Christians and we've not been challenged in our faith for years, then you've not moved in your faith for years. See, God doesn't have a beginning and end. How long is a piece of string? Yeah, he always was and always will be. You, we, none of us here will ever capture the, the, the enormity, intensity, magnitude of our God. Yeah? So God in our lives is always growing, always growing always shifting the tent pegs, always challenging us. Just when we think we're, man, I, I get that, I understand what that says, then he pokes in another area. And I feel for us in this church, he's poking in the area of living a vulnerable life, bringing our stuff to the table, you know? Things that, things that we're, for a lot of us, it's almost like there was an analogy that Sally shared recently, you know, we've got a suitcase that we never open. It's got stuff in it, but it's all messy and we leave it on top of the cupboard. And every time you walk into your, 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 you know, your walking robe or open your cupboard, you know it's there, but you're like, oh, I'm not going there. You know, just the thought of it. There are times where it, for us in our faith, we need to be able to pull this baby down. We need to look what's inside there and some of it needs to be discarded and some of it just needs to be folded neatly, put back and you can go back there now. I'm happy with that. We need to be able to do that because so many of us in life actually... We carry hurt, pain, offence is the worst thing. Someone said something, did something, and they're still my friend, but they're not like they used to be. Well, why not? Their value hasn't diminished in the eyes of God. Just because you've placed intent on something that they've done, who's going to be Jesus in that situation? And there are too many Christians everywhere that don't want to be Jesus. They just want to be God's moral police. Tell everyone else to be Jesus. So they can do their own thing. You know what? Let's just be real. Let's be a people that say, you know what? You actually peeved me that day. When you told me you barracked for Richmond, I couldn't believe it. Nearly lost my faith. But then I sat with you and I got to know your heart. And now we're okay, brother, even though you have those moments where you fall aside because of Richmond. You know, whatever it is, we need to be able to have that conversation. Because if we're going to love each other, even when we disagree, you can't do that unless you actually share it. Why won't some of us share it? Why won't some of the people out there share it? Why do we live in a place where there's 100,000 people and lucky if 3,000 people are in church? Maybe because they've not seen anything authentic yet. Maybe because they know that there are people within the church that are carrying burdens and offences that they've never dealt with. But the word wants us to deal with it, wants us to guard our hearts and soften it and allow it to marinate so from the overflow of all of that goodness, they discovered Jesus. I reckon that's a place to live. Might be uncomfortable at times, you know, but I reckon it'll be joyous. But I reckon it'll be grand. I reckon we'll see miracles happen. I reckon we'll see people come to the knowledge of Jesus for the first time. I think we'll see prodigals come back. Yeah, I'll see people, I believe we'll see people fulfilling the potential and destiny and purpose that God has placed on them from the very beginning. Amen? Let me close our eyes and let's pray. Let's pray that Father God would not be so sensitive that he would continue to challenge us in our walk. 
that he would continue to poke and prod and show us the areas that he wants to clean up so that we can be more like Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the way that you're challenging me, God. I thank you for the areas that you're showing in my own life. I thank you, Father, that you... You're continually revealing to me the importance of guarding in my heart, Lord, what you've placed there. I thank you that we stand here today, sons and daughters of the living God. I thank you that when we had no worth, you found us worthy. I thank you, Father, that because of that sacrifice on the cross, we are of great value. I thank you, Lord God, that we are now your ambassadors. Help us to be your ambassadors. Help us to walk out of the embassy, which is heaven, onto earth and allow us to bring the decrees and proclamations and goodness and strength and love and forgiveness and mercy of heaven to this place. May people discover Jesus in us and through us as you continually transform us into the image of your Son. Lord, give us the courage to face, Lord, those suitcases that we've not gone to for a while. And Lord, give us the wisdom to guard our hearts always and forever. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.